Today on Breaking Bullying, we're going to go into the workplace and we're going to figure out how you can recognize whether you're being bullied and what strategies you can employ to take care of it. So we're going to hit that music and we're going to get started. Joining me now, aside from my co-host, Tim. That's me. That is him. That's me. But aside from him, we are joined by assistant professor at St. Scholastica College, as well as the author of the book, Outwit the Bully. Her name is Dawn Johnson. Dawn, how are you this evening? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So you've written a book on bullying, and this has been born out of your own life experiences. Yes, correct. So I have had two experiences. And what I realized is I had actually learned a lot of lessons from those two experiences. And oftentimes in the world, I worked in leadership development for many years, and people would come to me with challenging situations, a micromanaging supervisor, a bullying coworker. And I realized, why not put all of that wisdom in a book? Well, before we get to the book and get to the strategies, Let's find out the torturous hell you had to go through. I mean, let's find out about your work experiences and what led you to writing this book. Sure. I will share just briefly uh, a little bit about each of them. My first experience was in 1996. After college, I went to graduate school in a large university outside of my home state, and I was a research assistant. There were many research assistants in our department, and we were supervised by one person. From the very first day, this supervisor was loud, aggressive, negative, demeaning, blaming. And so I knew that this was a personality that was going to be difficult. About six weeks into my assistantship, all of that energy, negative energy shifted towards me. All of a sudden, I was to blame for the data not being correct for people having to redo their work. And I had never experienced this before. I'd never had somebody be so critical. And I really started to believe that I couldn't cut it in graduate school. So this supervisor, this aggressive personality, was it pointed at all of his researchers or just you? Or was it the sort of thing where it started out being at everybody, but then you caught his eye? This was a general demeanor about this person, but it very much shifted. They were still being mean, for lack of a better word, to everybody, uh, aggressive, loud, demeaning. Abusive. They, they Abusive. They started to take special attention towards me. And all of a sudden, again, like I was being blamed for things. Um, I became ill. They didn't let me take my sick day. I had to redo my work multiple times, even though I found out later there was nothing wrong with it. So it definitely shifted towards me. And I had never experienced anything like this. Was there a gender dynamic at play here? Uh, no, that's really interesting that you bring that up because the only reason I really knew, because again, I thought I was actually was doing something wrong. One of the other research assistants who had been there quite a while came to me and said, I hate to tell you this, Don, but this is a pattern with this supervisor. They single out somebody every year and drive them out of the program. And the previous year, this was a female-dominated research project. The previous year, the supervisor had driven out the only male 
in the program. So equal opportunity. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, and this is that's why it's not harassment, right? If it was t- it was towards a certain gender, we it would be considered illegal harassment, and because it isn't targeting somebody based on their gender, their religion, their race, because it's this general abuse, it it's hard to discipline because there's no law against workplace bullying in the United States anyway. So basically. He chose to make a target out of somebody just to assert dominance or to prove a point. So I think hurt people hurt people. I don't know what happened in this person's past to make them negative, cruel. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a, there was some joy in that or some that power made them feel good for whatever reason. And nobody stopped them. And that was part of the problem, too, is that nobody stopped them. This had been a pattern. I actually looked when I was writing my book. Somebody said, have you looked up this old supervisor to see what they're doing now? And they were in that same position as that research supervisor up until 2016. So I think there's a whole support group of us <laughs> that probably experienced that person's abuse. And yeah, it was it was really pretty shocking to experience that. And I I obviously did not finish. I finished out the school year, but I didn't finish out my program. I came back home. I was pretty devastated because, again, it was hard to even name this. What is this that's going on? And did it have something to do with me? Clearly, there it, it didn't. I mean, clearly, it, it just happened that I was the person they picked that year. But that didn't make it any easier to suffer through, to experience. And I carried, I carried a lot of the, those negative emotions, feelings, trauma into future workplaces. So I say in my book, I experienced, I lost three years to that graduate school bully, one year in their presence and two years struggling to figure out what happened. In 1996, when this happened, workplace bullying was not a term that we used in the United States. It actually didn't come into play in the United States until about 1998. So we didn't have an, even a, even words to describe it when it happened. And I think when you can name it, I've worked with a lot of targets who, when they finally realize and they can recognize what happened to them and that it's real and that it's wrong and that other people have experienced it, it's a relief. It can be healing and it can be their path forward because they internalize a lot of the things that were told to them by the bully. And many of these folks are very hardworking professionals that have never had a bad performance evaluation in their life. They've never experienced anything like this. And it can devastate them personally, emotionally. Sometimes even their physical and mental health can be affected. And of course, their career can be as well. You said this was a pattern for the supervisor. I understand that the school knows about his behavior and they allow it. Is that correct? Um, the school did know about the behavior. Okay. Uh, and Did they have an excuse for why he acted that way? No. <laughs> In fact, the supervisors above that supervisor were actually were like they they helped perpetuate the situation because they protected that person. When I reported it to the supervi- to my supervisor's supervisor, that supervisor said it was my fault. <laughs> so just kind of reinforcing my belief that I had done something wrong. Now, being able to reflect 20 years later. Okay, so it's your fault. What was that justification? How did they justify this? Clearly you deserve it. Here's why. They didn't justify it. Uh, I think what was going on is, again, because I've had 20 years to reflect on it, 
again, a big research project, big research grant, big money coming into the university. This supervisor was responsible for that grant and these research assistants. That supervisor above was also a research colleague. They had planned to publish, again, in a very competitive world of academia where it's publish or perish. They had planned to take that data and use that to further their careers. If this were to come out that the supervisor was abusive, was driving students out, was treating students this way, could that have put the funding at jeopardy? Perhaps. But after I left, I, I didn't stop with that supervisor. I actually went to the head of the department who didn't care about the behavior. And I wrote a letter to the president of the college who didn't respond to me. So they clearly, at least from my perspective, at least I shared with them my experience. I don't know if other targets did. If they did and there was a clear pattern and they didn't do something about it, I think that would be a different story. Ah, money over integrity in the academic setting. What a surprise. So you said you had a second experience with bullying at a different workplace. More than a decade later, I thought that's all behind me. That was a horrible experience. Again, I were at this point had worked in many different places, had great reviews, great relationships with my colleagues and my supervisors. So now I'm in a workplace situation. I'm in a leadership position. Again, I've gotten great reviews. I have great collegial relationships. I had no reason to fear going into my annual performance review with my supervisor. Again, had a great working relationship with the supervisor as well. And despite having a challenging year, again, there's always challenges in the corporate world, any industry you work work in. But despite all those challenges, I felt like I'd met my targets. I had been able to meet my goals. So I had no fear going into this meeting. My supervisor asked me to share a couple of highlights of my year, which I did. And then the supervisor said to me, okay, well, let's talk about what didn't go well. And they proceeded to say, you have no management ability. You have no leadership skills. You have no vision for your area. And after he, after they said that, I thought, what is going on here? I almost laughed because I didn't know where this was coming from. I had get, got no feedback prior to this. They continued and said, I couldn't get along with my coworkers. I threw my title around. I struggled to represent the organization well. And you can imagine after this whole list of problems that I'm hearing for the first time, I'm in tears. I apologize. I say, I really want to be successful here. I want to meet your expectations. I leave the meeting. I go back to my office. I clean up my makeup and I work the rest of the day. I never said anything to any of my colleagues about any of this. And I put my head down and I worked really hard because at the end of that meeting, my supervisor had said, I'm going to hire a new director to replace you and you can stay on and do administrative work. And so I worked really hard to try and prove that I deserve to be in that position. Now, despite threatening to demote me, nothing really happened. For about three months, my supervisor would come in every couple of weeks into my office and say, well, I guess I, I can't let you do X. And they would take something away from me or remove me from a project. And after months of this, I'm like, I would ask why, and there would be never any explanation. So after months of this, I was kind of tired and fed up with it. So I said, the next time they came in and said, I need to take you off of this, I said, look, I 
I am not doing or doing or saying anything that should make you this angry. And I started to say, it feels like somebody's telling you something that isn't true. And my supervisor stood up, leaned over my desk and yelled, people tell me what you say. And in that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, somebody, I don't know who, because I feel like I have good relationships with my colleagues, but somebody has somehow sabotaged my reputation with my leader. And for some reason, my leader, despite having history and working with me for several years, has decided to act on it. Now, I had to kind of try and piece this together, but I eventually figured out that the person that had been undermining my reputation with my leader was somebody that I considered a friend in the workplace. I had done social things with this person. I knew that this was not going to to get better. So I started the process of, of leaving, of finding a new position. My old supervisor decided in all of their wisdom to promote the person who had diminished my reputation and they promoted them to my supervisor. So now my bully is now my boss. Oh my gosh. I I have to fast track out of this organization. So it didn't take (laughs) me long. I had done quite a few interviews at that point and I knew that I needed to get out as quickly as I could. Uh, So I was able, I was able to exit, get into a new role and didn't really damage my career or my financial situation at all, but it could have. I still was learning bits and pieces as I went back and talked to my former coworkers and tried to figure out what went wrong. I found out that this person was not just diminishing or trying to disrupt my reputation, but many other people's reputation. So just creating chaos in the workplace. What's interesting is that most people think of my uh, grad school bully, the academic bully who was loud and aggressive and mean. Most people think of that as being the stereotypical bully on the playground. And yes, they do exist in the workplace, but they are less, way less common than some of these subtle bullies, like the one that targeted me. And I had no idea what was going on until it was almost too late. And you found out later that that person was doing it to other people as well, correct? It was later on, not at that time. Yes. You know, I think it was one of those 2020. The reason I figured out who the person was, was because I should have known that if somebody is talking to me about people, that they're probably talking to other people about me. And as I started to really, when we talked to other colleagues, we realized that we were all holding secrets for this person. Like there was a lot of manipulation mm. that we started to, to uncover. Will I fully know the story and everything that happened that really led up to my supervisor confronting me? I will probably never know that full story. Sounds also like the supervisor was at the very least uh, short-sighted because this one person is putting the mouth on clearly more than just you and he's buying into everything they're saying. So there was a little something else going on here. Were they friends by chance that that you know of? Yeah. the, The one thing that I didn't share in the story is that this person had worked with my supervisor in a previous organization. And so I think there was some trust there coming in and my bully had applied for my job and I got it instead of them. So they came into the organization later in a different position. But I think one of the reasons I was targeted, I can't explain all the other targeting, but one of the reasons I was targeted is because they wanted my position. And actually after I left, they were promoted into my position. Ah, corporate shenanigans. (laughs) Uh, It's like high school. It's like high school all over again. At these high school kid games. Yeah. What was really interesting when I was researching my book is that, again, it was very clear that that first example is this is very clear to 
to say that that person is a bully. But the Workplace Bullying Institute has actually identified four different categories of behaviors. One is the screamer, which is that typical bully on the playground that from that first example. Another one is a gatekeeper. So that gatekeeper knows that they can undo somebody's performance by withholding things, whether that is information by not inviting them to meetings or not sharing information with them or um, withholding time off, vacation time, earned sick time, or uh, um, even access to a budget that they need to do their job. That gatekeeper can oftentimes look like just a conservative supervisor, but (laughs) uh, they are actually, you know, withholding pieces that people need to do their job. So the gatekeeper, the critic is another one. And the critic uh, is not just giving you some constructive feedback. It's not feedback that's given in a way that's done to be helpful. It is done in a way to humiliate, to actually disrupt your ability to do your best work. So if somebody, if you've never never received this kind of criticism before, I've never received a bad performance appraisal, that can make you so hypervigilant or so emotional or so upset that you will actually start to make mistakes in the workplace, which again, just feeds into what the bully is saying. You're a horrible employee and you're making all these errors and you don't deserve to be in your position. So it's kind of insidious that they will use you, they will target you Use your emotions and what they're doing to you and then turn it back on you and use it against you. The fourth type of bully, which I call in my book, the deceiver, I I think Workplace Bullying Institute calls it the two-headed snake. Um, But the deceiver really has two sides. I use use the theater masks in my presentations to represent it because, again, that this this is exactly what happened to me in the second example is that they were friendly, collegial, my best friend on the front side and on the back side, they were gossiping and and trying to ruin my reputation behind the scenes. So those are the four different categories of behaviors. And so gatekeepers, deceivers, and critics are maybe a little um, little more um, on the side of the screamer, a little bit more visible, but the other two are pretty subtle. And some people have no idea that that they're being targeted until it's until it's too late. So uh, I think education is really important for employees to understand what to look for. And if you had somebody who just, you know, forgot to invite you to a meeting once, that would be one thing. But when you see a pattern of things being withheld from you or a pattern of things being said to you that you'd think aren't true, that's when it moves into that bullying category. Looking back at your deceiver friend, were there some red flags that were popping up that you didn't recognize at that time? Yeah, I share in my book because, again, it's so hard to see this because, again, most of it's so subtle and behind the scenes. But I really reflected on my experience and then just talking to other targets. I put together a list of some some behaviors that may not in and of themselves mean there's a bully in your midst, but probably means there's somebody that maybe you should steer clear of, right? So chronic gossiping, somebody who just can't stop gossiping about anybody and everybody. Even if they're not bullying, this is probably bad news for uh, most of us. Somebody who is asking for your confidence all the time. Can I just tell you this? Will you keep this between us? What they're trying to do when they're, I mean, we all have friends that do that too, but, but with the deceiver, I think, they double down on this because what they want you to do is they want to 
get you to trust them, right? When somebody asks you to hold something in confidence, you're like, oh, I'm being brought into the fold. I can trust them. They're trusting me. And they also want you to potentially tell them some of your things that might, you might want to be kept secret, but they're not going to keep them secret. Mm-hmm. Also, anybody who has two sides of their personality, they'll do what I call managing up. So they may have, they may be horrible to their direct reports or to their peers. But for anybody who has any kind of power over their career, they have the best and brightest face. Along those same lines is if you have somebody who is always talking to you about and always is complaining about leadership, about the organization, about this, that, and the other thing. But then when you see them in front of any kind of leaders or decision makers, they are the picture of positivity, right? It's that two sides of the mask. And so those kinds of things, again, May not mean that there's a true bully unless they're targeting somebody, but I always say those are things to watch out for just because they can be just dangerous on their own. But those were some of the things that I was able to reflect on and see in this deceiver in hindsight. How did this deceiver build your trust the first time? Did you, I take it you didn't know this person before, correct? I knew of them. And coming into the organization and having the fact that they were already connected to my supervisor gave me a little comfort because my supervisor thinks they're great and brought them into the organization. Uh, So there was some natural trust there, but I think they just were very friendly. It's interesting, the the, um, Gary Namey, the founder of the Workplace Bullying Institute says, beware of the huggers. He said, coming into a new organization, beware of the person who wants to get, get, get you into their fold so quickly. And I think that person, this person started sharing things in confidence with me very quickly. And again, that is a, a behavior that for most of us indicates this person is trusting me. I feel like I can trust them. So I think it just, they were just using those behaviors, knowing that they worked to help people trust trust them. Do you feel that you suffered any long-term effects from the bullying that had happened to you professionally or otherwise? Well, I think I shared probably the, the first incident had a, a very profound emotional toll on me. I came back from graduate school. I described myself as a shell of a person, came into that situation coming out of college, very confident, and all of that was destroyed. I think I struggled in in the next role that I took on, the next job that I took on. There were behaviors that were very triggering to me. And so I would see them and associate them with that bully. And so I didn't stay in that the role that I chose right after that first incident. I didn't stay in that role very long. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I've been able to do a lot of really cool things in my career despite all of this. I would say the second experience, again, it eroded my confidence. I had a very difficult time going into my next role. As I, as I shared, I left that and went right into another position. But I had a lot of trouble trusting my colleagues because I didn't know this person. I didn't know anybody could have done what they did to me. And now I'm in a new role with many new coworkers, and I don't know if I can trust them. So it took me a long time to build new relationships. 
I don't think career wise, I mean, for some people it does really, uh, some people make leaps out of these abusive situations into roles that maybe are pay them less than they did. So their financial stability becomes more precarious. I've actually talked to targets who never go back to the industry that they were in because of the experience. They just, uh, they may have studied for years to do that thing, but they never go back. So, but I'm really actually pretty lucky. And I, and I share this message in my book. At the time it was horrible and stressful. It did affect my mental health. It affected my physical health, but I was able to really reflect on it and change, take my career in a different direction. Because of my second experience specifically, I became very interested in leadership development because I really believed at that time, gee, if I could just create stronger leaders, people who could have courageous conversations, people who would protect their employees, I can prevent some of this. I don't think that's a, that's a solution now, but I got really interested in leadership development. I almost immediately went back and got my master's degree. I was able to then go into some roles that, and spend almost 15 years in doing leadership development, which I really loved and I thought was really transformative. But what when I got to the point where I was writing my book in uh, 2021 is I had spent so many years doing leadership development, but yet I was hearing these stories from targets, from people every day, not just necessarily bullying, but just a lot of this toxic, abusive stuff that goes on in workplaces. And I thought, I've tried so hard with my leadership development roles and skills to make a difference, and I just don't feel like I'm making a difference on that end. That's when I decided to write the book, I Need to Support Targets. I Need to Educate Targets. It took me a long time to get there and to realize the good that's come out of those experiences. But again, I got a master's degree. I went into a career I loved. I met friends that I would have never met had I not moved to some of those or that organization after I left that situation. I was able to write a book. I run my business and I teach and I speak. And uh, now I'm an assistant professor. So I think some of those things for sure, that trajectory wouldn't have been the same had I not been forced to leave. And at the time, that second job, that role was really important to me and I really loved it and I thought I was really good at it. So it was really painful to leave and I probably mourned the loss of that job for several years. So I don't want to say that, you know, a year later it was great. It took many, many years to reflect on that and realize that, but I think I'm in a really good place and I want to share that message with other targets that it doesn't have to devastate you. You can rebuild yourself and your career after these experiences. Okay. So let's say I'm in a workplace, something feels off. How do I identify bullying when I might not be sure whether it's happening to me or happening around me? Mm -hmm. So bullying is all, all about the pattern. So again, I mentioned earlier that if you were to, were to experience, there's a variety of behaviors that to look for. Things like I mentioned withholding information, uh, some of the more humiliating comments and, and you know, somebody yelling at you at a meeting, that's obvious. You know, if that happened once, you'd say, oh, somebody had a bad day. They made a bad choice. I hope they apologize to me. But with bullying, it will... You might see, like you say, that something might feel off, like, oh, that comment seemed a little odd or that behavior didn't feel right. I think most of us don't necessarily just take that gut feeling and say, oh, this is what's happening. We don't really know because we haven't been educated about what bullying is. I tell people, don't get hypervigilant about every little behavior, but look for the pattern. 
how is this person treating other people? How are they treating you? Is there a variety of different behaviors from the different bullying behavior categories? What typically happens is you might, the bully kind of tests the water and might kind of throw something at a target to see how they'll react. They might try a second or third time, but those are maybe far apart, potentially. They're just kind of seeing how the person will react. Once they choose that target, those behaviors will escalate over time very quickly. And you have to think about, I, I was tell leaders, think about how much energy somebody's expending, meaning the bully, how much energy is that bully expending targeting the person? And you could see this too as a, from a coworker perspective. Are they screaming at somebody? Are they slamming doors? That could be a type of energy and very obvious. But the other types of energy that they're expending is maybe they're coming to you as the leader all the time talking about this problem employee that they have or this problem coworker they have. And you might sit with them and you might strategize and help them try to problem solve and the situation never gets solved. They come back to you time after time and again. It's because they don't really want to solve the problem. They're coming back to you time and again to share this story because they're trying to undermine this person's reputation with you. I tell the same of HR professionals. You have that leader or that employee who comes back to you time and time again, and they have this problem employee that they're dealing with. So it's unfortunate that we have to I think we need to start trusting our gut when we we're like, oh, that, that didn't feel right. Or this is kind of strange. Again, paying attention to it, but we have to wait for this pattern to emerge before we can really tell if it's bullying. In fact, some researchers suggest that you have to experience it for six months before you know it for sure is bullying. I would will tell you that if it escalates quickly, which for most people, it goes from maybe once a month to once a week to multiple times a day very quickly. If you wait six months, the damage to your mental health and the damage to your career will be very bad. So don't, don't wait six months. If you, if you can just identify a pattern, yes. pattern, it's best to, yeah. to six months sounds like, well, bullshit, to be perfectly honest. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, you don't need to be abused for six months to be fair and calling it yeah. abuse. Like that's ridiculous. And who sets those standards? Yeah, really? Yeah. I, I don't know where that, I, I, that was just a statistic that I read when I was researching my book, but I tell, I tell people one of the best things you can do as a target or somebody who's witnessing it, if you're like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. Start taking notes, start because you're going to start to see, you're going to see the pattern on paper easier than you can just trying to figure it out from experiencing it. So write that down. Don't have to be paranoid about every single behavior, but if you st things start to feel weird, start documenting. What was the behavior? Who was involved? Were there witnesses? What was the time? And you'll be able to see that escalating pattern pretty quickly. And then if you want any shot of being able to go to HR and, and get them to, because there's no law, right? They can do an investigation. They're not going to find harassment. They're not going to find discrimination. But if you can give them a pattern of behaviors that you've documented over time, and I specifically tell people to document the business impact. So it's very, it, it is very, very detrimental to somebody as, as an individual, but the organization is more likely to act if there's an impact on the business. So a loss of customers, a loss of productivity, a safety issue. So I always say document what happened and then try to pinpoint where it impacted the business and then go to HR or to a leader to talk about potentially dealing with it. Does an employee have any way to protect themselves from getting a bad review with false accusations? 
Yeah, you know, that that's a great question, Tim. So, so, so the oftentimes most people don't know they're going to get a bad review. So the bad review can happen. And it actually happens more often than you think that people, I actually have a couple people that when it's time for their annual review, they call me and we like, it's because it's a traumatic experience mm-hmm. because they've had these experiences. So um, how can you protect yourself? I tell people whether it's post bad review or pre-bad review, we should all be documenting what I call your proof of excellence. So make sure that you are documenting any emails or letters or cards or anything that you get from customers or clients or colleagues singing your praises, any projects or things that you are especially proud of. Make sure you have documentation of that because you, some some bully targets are actually fired. And so they don't have time to potentially gather this information from from the position they were in. So I say you sh- we should be gathering this all the way along. This is just a good practice to get into. Um, it can help us write cover letters when we go to apply for a new job. And it can also help us feel confident about ourselves if we've been devastated by a bullying experience. But it also is proof when HR is saying, why are you such a bad employee? Your leader you know, keeps having to write you up and say, well, I, I don't have any proof of that. No, there's nothing in writing from this supervisor or anybody else <laughs> that says that I'm not performing. So being able to kind of gather that information, keep that information with you. I always say any kind of information, any kind of emails or anything that you get, print them off and save them at home. Don't rely on the fact that you have opportunity to potentially retrieve them after the fact. Some people may try to go and proceed with legal actions. Typically, it's not successful because of the fact that it's not harassment and it's not discrimination. The only time I've ever heard anybody be really successful in a legal realm in terms of bullying is when they've been able to prove retaliation. So they reported this person in good faith that they were being abusive and then HR investigated. They didn't find anything. They'd be slapped the bully on the wrist and the bully retaliated in some way. So sometimes they can, you can have some legal remedies that way. But again, you have to have your evidence too, that you are a successful employee and having that documentation of, of projects and and notes and and previous performance appraisals, anything that you can gather that proves on paper that you have a pattern of excellence, that you can use that to protect yourself. I feel like that supervisor should also show proof of dates when this stuff happened. You can't just be pulling stuff out of the air saying, you know, you kicked Katie. When? When did I do that? I wasn't even at work that day. You know, I feel like there should be some more proof before they can just say you did this. Yeah, but HR is not your friend. That's one of the things you have to understand about any career you're in. HR's job is not to protect the employee. It's to protect the company. So generally speaking, HR is going to be more inclined to be pointed against you. So the onus is going to be on you whether you like it to be or not. You're right, Tim. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. But I feel like that's defamation of character. If you're told you were doing all this stuff, that's not true. They have no proof of it. I feel like that's... There's got to be a law. There's got to be something to protect there you. There ought to be, you Tim. <laughs> you can't just, uh, I just don't understand how you can just make something up just because you don't like this person. It happens. So, I mean, it does. Yeah. If you think about it like this, their supervisor and their role is to watch over you. So inherent in that power dynamic is that their perceptions of you are what matters. The company's going to go with them by default. Even if it's wrong, even if they're boldface lying about your performance because they've got some bug up their ass, which kind of brings up another question for you, Don. So here I am, an employee. My supervisor, Tim, has a bug up his ass about me, and he's unfairly 
giving me this review of my incompetence, even though I'm doing everything well, I don't necessarily have that documentation. What are other steps that I can take to protect myself from Tim? Mm -hmm. That's hard when they're the supervisor. If they're a peer, that's another thing. But when they're the supervisor, you know, unless you can be transferred to another supervisor, <laughs> what I think a lot of people don't understand is if somebody is truly wanting to target you, again, these people, uh, somebody who, who targets, somebody who bullies, their thinking isn't logical. So, so yes, the normal person, Tim, would be like, okay, if I'm going to accuse Don of this, I should have all of my ducks in a row and I should have X, Y, Z, everything lined up. But the bully, again, because of their pattern of thinking, feels completely justified in targeting you and knows how to stress you out get you emotional, make you angry, make you hypervigilant. So um, a lot of targets actually do start to have performance issues. So most targets, and I hate to say that this is the solution, but most targets, abuse only stops when they leave or if the bully is fired, which is very, very rare. Only about 9% of bullies are fired. Only about 15% are ever disciplined in any way. So what oftentimes happens is say, Bruce, you you say my supervisor is being completely unfair and you go to their supervisor or you go to HR. Totally. Uh, what's going to happen is they're probably going to have to go and talk to your supervisor and the supervisor is going to say what they're going to say. They, It's kind of a he said, he said, right? <laughs> because they don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, so. Plus the power dynamic. Plus the power dynamic that he is in a position above me. They're inclined to believe him more than me because he's the supervisor. I am the employee. I'm a step down on the rung. My value is lower. Their trust in me is lower. And that's just inherent to the situation. Yeah. And actually, after the investigation, because typically nothing's found, right? They can't prove that you're right or wrong, and they can't prove that the leader is right or wrong. So maybe they coach the leader a little bit, but because nothing happens to the leader or the bully, whether it's a leader or not, they feel emboldened and they double down. Again, because people who will do this, their pattern of thinking is not normal. It's not healthy. I think the statistics show that 70% of targets actually try to confront their bully, but in 93% of the time, it does nothing and actually makes it worse. So with failure rates that bad, I feel like targets are oftentimes HR can't help them or won't help them or doesn't understand what's going on because they're not trained in this either. The target is just stuck in this no-win situation. They either have to endure the abuse or leave. And so that's what 70% of targets actually leave their job because there's nowhere else to go. Without organizations, both leaders and HR departments understanding and buying in to the damage that bullying can do, and then having everybody trained, just like we train people in harassment and discrimination, and training everybody in what to look for in bullying, I think that that is not going to change for people, unfortunately. Makes me want to have a union job. <laughs> it actually happens in unions as well. Yeah, yeah, it actually happens in unions as well. The Workplace Bullying um, Institute actually works specifically with a lot of unions to train union stewards on what to look for. So yeah, you might be a little bit more protected in, in a union. Uh, the contract might protect you a little bit more in terms of not being able to lose your job, but it still happens. What's really interesting is there are actually certain industries that have higher incidences of bullying. One is healthcare, number one industry for bullying. I can vouch for that. I worked in healthcare for many, <laughs> many years. 
And I know people know how to use that, that, that union contract to their advantage to continue to bully you. Yeah. Yeah, because there are a lot of union, right? Nurses union, there are a lot of union employees in there, but also a lot of power dynamics, as Bruce was saying earlier, right? We've got a lot of administrators, we've got doctors, we've got nurses, we've got CNAs, we've got this very structured power structure. And for whatever reason, it, it uh, you'd think in healthcare where people are so driven by mission and caring for people that that wouldn't be the number one industry, but it is. Then uh, the next in line is actually education, uh, academia all the way down to grade school. It makes sense in healthcare because I would imagine high stress environments probably invites you needing to blow off steam. And because of the ready available targets are other employees that you're working with. In my department that I worked in, this person had no stress, believe me. They just like to bully and use that union contract against you. Yeah. Never discount that there's always an asshole somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Always just somebody who's a yeah. prick. Well, and, 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 and I think people have looked at stress levels, you know, because yes, can that force people to behave in ways that maybe they wouldn't normally? But unfortunately, we have some theories around why bullies bully. We have some theories around why it exists so prevalently in, in healthcare, but we don't know exactly. Bullies are not necessarily lining up and raising their hand to say, hey, study me. Find out why I target somebody in every, every organization I go into. So we have some theories about that, but we just really don't have a clear, clear picture. The typical target gives us some clues. So the, what's interesting, I don't know if you've had anybody else talk about this on your show, but the typical target is uh, the average age is 42. And in fact, 75% of targets are between the ages of 30 and 59. So these are now anybody at any age could be targeted. I certainly was 23 when I was targeted, but a majority of targets are people who have been in the workforce for a while. They tend to have higher degrees. They tend to have a lot of experience. What we found when studying targets is that they tend to be the people, the go-to people, uh, the people that have either formal, they've been in their roles long enough that they maybe moved into a formal position of power, a leadership position, or they have a lot of informal influence. So because they're the go-to person, they've been there in the organization a long time, they know a lot, or they've been in the industry a lot. And so these are the people that organizations should be paying attention. These are the people that we don't want driven out of our organizations. They're going to leave lots of experience and lots of historical institutional knowledge, and they're going to take it right out the door with them. But that leads us to a theory about why bullies bully in the workplace anyway. And that is uh, one, it might be might be sim- as simple as they want that person's job. But there is some indication that perhaps the bully wants to knock them off their pedestal because they are afraid that person is so good at their job, has a high moral fortitude, has very good influence with others, that if the bully is not doing what they're supposed to, maybe they're not doing their job or maybe they aren't doing something they should legally or ethically, they preemptive strike on a target. So they will try to drive that target out before, again, the the target may have no plans to call this bully out or have any idea that this person's doing anything wrong, but the bully perceives that they might do that. And so they are trying to take them out. We saw that in the uh, in the Theranos case, a lot of the things that you saw, Sunny Bawani and Elizabeth, uh, uh, what's her last name? Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Yeah, sorry. We saw their behaviors, right? They were trying to hide things. So they withheld information from people. They kept people separate. They were very intimidating. They threatened to fire people. They did fire people. So again, there's an example of, of people who are pathological liars and um, were, you know, stealing millions of dollars on their fake right, product. Right. So, <laughs> and somebody couldn't find that out. 
So I think we're going to see more and more uh, of those incidents coming out in the public. I think there's a great risk to reputation for organizations because um, even with the better, I don't know if you followed the better.com CEO who fired 900 people over Zoom. um, After that happened, people started coming out and saying, you know, here are some examples. People had printed off the emails that he had sent and here are examples of, of him being demeaning and degrading and abusive and don't work at better.com. That's my advice. I don't even know if it exists anymore. But uh, so I think we're going to see more and more when people start to realize this is not okay. And this is what it looks like. And I can recognize it earlier. We'll start to see more and more employees calling organizations out for that behavior. As we're moving into a wrap up here, what final bits of advice would you give towards somebody who feels that they are in fact the subject of workplace bullying, aside from when you begin discovering a pattern to start making detailed notes of not only your performance, but what's happening to you so that you have a record to look back on. What, what are other things you can do to protect yourself? So beyond documenting, I would say, so what, what really uh, undoes a lot of targets is because they do get so upset or emotional or stressed. They will double down on their work. They will work and work and work. They'll start to make errors and it'll, it doesn't help the situation. So I always say, make sure that you take care of yourself. Most people who have gone into a targeting or in a targeting situation, stop eating regularly. They stop their exercise routine. They are just trying to do everything that they can to deal with the situation at work and to try to keep their performance level up. So again, don't lose those routines. Take care of yourself because mental and physical health are so important to be able to deal with this abuse. Get a support system. Oftentimes, targets may become very isolated in the workplace because as they as their performance starts to erode, maybe people around them who used to be their good colleagues are also seeing that. And so they may not feel comfortable or have that support system at work. So beyond just maybe family and friends who can support them, who believe them, who know them, who can support them emotionally, because this is abuse. This is abuse. Seek professional help through some kind of a site like BetterHelp or uh, through your company's EAP or however you need to connect with that professional. That was one thing that I really, really would have helped me not struggle so long after these incidents if I had sought out professional help. And then even if you're staying, there may be many reasons why you want to stay in this organization. Maybe you're close to retirement. Maybe the bully is close to retirement. But even if you think you're going to try to stick it out, I always tell targets to prepare for an exit. You never know when the tide will turn and you will now be maybe potentially fired or the abuse will escalate really fast and become really intense and you, for your own sanity, may need to exit. So I always tell them, polish up your resume. Even just doing some of these steps will help you make help you feel like you have some choices because you feel trapped in this situation. So polishing up your resume, spending some time looking for some other positions, gathering your proof of excellence so that you have that with you. Um, and then again, just continuing to document and knowing your options. HR is an option, but again, without a lot of HR professionals being trained in bullying, it may not go as you hope. So you need to be prepared for the situation to escalate after that. So again, get prepared to exit on your own terms, and that will make you feel a little bit more solid ground. Those are just a few pieces of advice that I would share. Thank you so much for that. 
And if somebody would like to get a hold of you, reach out to you, how would they do that? Yeah. So um, people can reach out to me through my email. It's Dawn, D-A-W-N, at ontherisedevelopment.com. And if I wanted to buy your book, where would I do this? Yeah. So you can order my book through any independent bookstore, any any of your favorite bookstores, if you'd like. Um, it's also available on Amazon in both a paperback and an ebook. What's the name of the book? Outwit the Workplace Bully. Eight Steps You Need to Know to Reclaim Your Career, Confidence, and Sanity. Dawn, once again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and your experiences. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. And as for us, you're not going to find us at HR because, again, they're not your friend. But you can reach out to us at breakingbullyinghere at gmail.com and also at our website, www.breakingbullying.com. And if you find yourself experiencing bullying or know somebody who is, there are online resources that can help you. The first is the government's own anti-bullying website, and its address is www.stopbullying.gov. And there's also the other website, which is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. And if you're having dark thoughts or feelings of hurting yourself, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Noxon. Thank you for listening and join us next week as we continue this conversation to break the silence on bullying.